welcome to Handelsbank and Insights. We're here today with James Sproul, Chief Economist of Handelsbank in the UK, for our weekly economic update. Good morning, James. Good morning, Charlotte. Okay, let's talk about the economy. So for your look at high frequency data this week, I understand you've been looking at some more of the impacts of COVID. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, I mean, obviously th- this time of year, many of us are looking at holidays. What you know, have, have we have been traveling as much in the last couple of years as we expect? So UK residents spent thirteen point eight billion pounds abroad last year, and you think that's a lot of money, and of course it is. Um, but that's a fall of seventy eight percent comparison to twenty nineteen. So clearly, much much less travel holidays, uh, much more common in the UK now. Um, but people still are visiting friends and, and some business, but everything really has fallen off a cliff. Um, and uh, as well, people coming to the UK, of course, it's not just uh, the UK where we have the, 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 all the problems of the lockdown um, and people coming to the UK fell by 74 percent in terms of the amount of money they spent. So um, there really is a, an enormous impact. And this is one of those industries that's feeling that, that pressure a lot. I also, as, as you know, I'm really keen on entrepreneurialism. And, and one of the things here that's interesting is it's really alive and well. Uh, the latest data shows 2021 keeping up with the really very, very good rates that we saw in 2020. Um, obviously, in the initial shock of the, the downturn in last spring and early summer, so about a year ago now, um, the number of new businesses started to fall off a cliff. Um, uh, there was a, an immediate pandemic shock there, but uh, it recovered very quickly and then remained at, at heightened levels throughout the, the second half of last year. And it's really continued at that level um, uh, through through this year as well. And just to give you an idea, it's about 15,000 startups uh, a month, and that's three times um, the number of dissolutions. Uh, so it's a company that's being wound up. So um, that, so that, that 15,000 is on an annualized basis. So that's that's very, very good news. Um, and I think that that's the sort of thing that, that uh, reflects really well on the country and well on the, the approach of bis- British businesses to starting new ventures. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, the big number last week was the monthly GDP figure. What did that look like? Well, absolutely. April GDP came through, um, and uh, you've often heard us be talking probably about the base effect, which is the sec- effect you get from measuring last year's depressed levels against this year's levels. So uh, year on year, GDP was up 27.6%. Now, that sounds phenomenal. That's the sort of number you see in some, some sort of um, rapidly emerging market. Um but of course, it's measured against that, that terrible number from last year. So looking on a month by month basis, 2.3 percent. Uh, that's the biggest in, um, well, really, since the recovery uh, of last summer. Um, it's now 3.7 be- percent below the pre-pandemic figure. So um, I think that that's some very, very good news. And um, the question is really how long it's going to continue uh, and what sits behind it. So looking quickly at what sits behind that, that big number, there's been a big boost for education. Now, remember um, that the UK measures education uh, rather um, uh, in, in a slightly strange way. It's not strange. It's, it's, it's so much as uh, we measure it in a way that others are going to be measuring in the future, which is to say when you actually receive the education as, to when, as opposed to when you put the money into the system. That means that we took an artificial boost or artificial dip last year and we're getting an artificial boost now. Um, but we're also seeing... Uh, some uh, good numbers coming through from car repairs and, of course, from hotels and restaurants. That's going to continue. Um, it's certainly going to continue on through the next couple of months because this is for April. Uh, the real two questions I have moving forward are, um, will the continuing lockdown, lockdown have an impact? Or We're certainly expecting the Prime Minister to, today to tell us we're going to have to have another four weeks of lockdown. 
um, that's going to be painful for some. It's certainly going to be painful for uh, many pubs and restaurants. Um, and how long can the, the this really startling rate of growth continue before we have to have some sort of tapering away? Now, we are going to quickly get towards the level we've, of uh, GDP that we saw in 2019 towards the end of this year. So then the question becomes, uh, about 5% above that level is the trend level where, where we would have been. Uh, and at what point do we start to match that trend? Because nobody really expects us to go pounding along at this rate for any prolonged period of time. Uh, that's simply not in the economy is, isn't, um, isn't built like that. And we certainly don't have the ability to grow at this pace for more than another few months. So there's going to be some big questions about all of that. Um, we started to see some people um, estimating the impact of a further lockdown or, or the, the delaying of an opening up. Uh, and it's, it doesn't look particularly pretty. Um, so I'm hoping that the Prime Minister today can reassure us on two things. One is that this really is a temporary, very much last minute thing. And two, um, what, what are the criteria that he's going to set out to make sure that this is the final lockdown that we have or the lockdown does come off completely in one month's time? So it sounds like the economy is reopening fast. Is that right? And are people going back into their places of work? Well, absolutely. People are, are really getting back to work. Um, I myself would have been in the office today, but um, the district line decided otherwise. Um, but no, in, in general, people are getting back to work and evidences of businesses are, um, are, have been and rapidly reopening. Um, there is a question, I think, which needs to be asked, which is, is it a full reopening? Because it's all well and good for um, to tell a, a pub or a restaurant, etc., that you, know, you can... Um, uh, reopen, but with social distancing in, in place, it probably means you can't reopen and make a profit. Um, and therefore, there is uh, going to be some economic impacts of that. Uh, I think it's also interesting to note, certainly the latest data shows us again, those areas where the workforce has continued to work um, from home pretty easily. That's lots of education, real estate, IT, the professions, etc. So um, we are seeing some, some quite good stuff coming through and all, all of that people getting back to work. But I think there's also quite some way to go. Okay. We have heard a lot of reports out in the last couple of weeks on house prices. Things are looking good for the housing market. And is that something that we can expect to continue? Yes, house prices. I, I, I know that um, Handels Bank clients and, and um, employees are always really, really interested in house prices. Uh, I mean, in general, they're up 10.6% since the lockdown began. Um, that's, that's really good. And I mean, it's surprisingly good considering uh, the, the uh, economic downturn that we've had. Um, and as I said before, detached houses doing very, very well indeed, uh, up 12.4%, semi-detached up 11.4%, terraced houses up 12.6%, so even more than detached houses. It's really only flats that have suffered, they're only up 6.8%. The big question, of course, comes with um, the stamp duty holiday, which is due to be ending in the next uh, couple of months, end of um, June, I believe. It starts to go down, and then there's a, sec a second tier of, of stepping out a bit further uh, on in the year. Um, but... Um, Looking at that, that slowdown, I'm not expecting it to actually result in negative um, prices for housing. Um, the economy itself is going too strongly, and there really is um, a, a question of uh, a lack of supply. And looking at the, the supply-demand balance, you've got um, uh, not enough homes really coming onto the market to mean that uh, the, the um, um, prices are going to be dipping anytime soon. Mm hmm well, UK trade figures were also released, and I remember these caused a good deal of concern when they fell in January, with some people at least saying that that was what Brexit would mean in the future. Was the pessimism overdone, do you think? Yeah, as you say, it became something of a proxy Brexit war going on within the trade figures, and it was, it was um, everybody was basing it on one month of data, that data being January, 
Uh, January suffered from the fact that people had been nervous, and so they'd done a lot of stock building around that point. And of course, January is always a bit of an odd month anyway, because it's following just Christmas, and you've got a lot of people and, uh, taking a lot of time off. And, and so it's not a particularly uh, useful month to look at from a trade figure point of, point of view. Um, so what, what have we seen now? Well, uh, for those who are optimistic about Brexit, we've seen non-EU imports surged. Uh, in fact, they're now bigger than EU um, imports from the EU. But let's let's remind ourselves that lots of that means that we are importing lots of commodities and, and not so much uh, finished consumer goods. Um, in one way, people might find that, um, some people might find that uh, heartening. Um, I think it probably means that standard of living is slipping slightly, so that's not such great news. Um, and, and I think it's also interesting to note that UK exports have uh, moved to um, uh, pre-COVID levels, uh, that's moved up to pre-COVID levels, and that could be seen as good news. However, I would caution there because we're undergoing something of a global export boom, and all we've managed to do is get back to where we were and not really take advantage of, it, of any of that. So um, I think that there's there's good and bad news in there, and it will take us some time to really start to see the, the longer-term trends. I would note two things that um, I think are interesting. One is that um, there have been a lot of, of uh, talk argument, disagreement about uh, UK fish. Uh, UK fish exports have fully recovered. So that's very, very good news. Um, uh, so the Scottish fishermen who were, who were very concerned earlier in the year about the Brexit deal, it does seem that the fishing fleets have uh, organized themselves and, and sorted themselves out. So that's, that's good news. Uh, and I would point out um, on the Northern Ireland EU border. So uh, there's uh, obviously a lot of talk and we'll, we'll discuss in just a moment the G7 summit, but um, there's a lot of talk about how much um, uh, border inspection goes on on the Northern Ireland um, EU border. Uh, Northern Ireland EU counts for less than one-tenth of one percent of goods entering the European Union. But at the moment, at least, it's accounting for 20 percent of the entire in, uh, customs enforcement checks. So it does seem that the EU is being particularly zealous about making sure that there's um, no sausages which might cross that border and, and infect the EU single market. Mm -hmm. And finally, we had the G7 summit over the weekend, as you've just mentioned. And one of the big things they talked about was some common rules about corporation tax. Can you give us your view on how things are likely to develop? Yes, that, that corporation tax. So obviously corporation tax, um, it has been in a very long term decline uh, around the world. And um, we can see if we look at sort of over the last 30 years and corporation taxes in general have fallen. And, and in part, that's because there's some good tax competition going on there with, with uh, very large corporates saying to um uh, governments, if you want to keep that very, very high, we're simply going to move operations to other places. Um, and there's now sort of a bit of a trade-off. Uh, the U.S. wants some of that stopped. Uh, it doesn't like people like United Arab Emirates, Hungary, uh, and most importantly, Ireland, having rates below 15%. Um, at the same time, they're willing to share a bit of the tax revenue to, to do all of this. Um, but, and I think there's two enormously big buts here, um, these things can take years to implement. There was a previous tax agreement on BEPS, which is Base Erosion Profit Sharing, which in, in 10 seconds to say is what happens when, um, say, for instance, uh, a company owns the trademark for um, a region, say, uh, Amazon owns the trademark for all of Amazon Europe and each uh, individual country uh, registers and pays the Irish subsidiary for the use of the word Amazon. Um, and then they adjust the, the amount that they pay each year in order to um, sop up a, a good portion of revenues that those companies earned. And, and then they, they pay the tax in Ireland, which is very, very low. So that's, that's one thing. That takes many, many years to implement. And the second thing is, uh, digging a bit into the Irish uh, experience, 
Yes, the Irish uh, tax rate is very low, 12.5%. But really, the big advantage is the exceedingly generous write-offs, and that's not been addressed. So in, in Irish tax law, you can write off almost everything, and the result is the effective tax rate can often be taken from 12.5% to something like 2%. Um, and so if you don't address that, I think that the Irish tax advantage will continue into the future. Well, thank you very much, James. Some really great insights there. Look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks, Charlotte. Speak soon.